are now tuned in. We're living life. We're Gwen. We'll always get you right. I'm just living life. I mean, I love living my best life. Living period. Life. All I do is live life. It's all about living life. I'm just living life. Even the baby is one of my life. Living my best life. I am so excited about my guests that I have joining me here today. But before I get started, I want to say thank you for joining me here today on the Living Life Podcast. I hope you had or are having a blessed, productive, and prosperous day. And this is Gwen, your host for the Living Life Podcast. All right, so today we will be learning firsthand what it's like to survive a stroke. My special guest was willing to grace us with his presence and share his story and his continuous journey being a stroke survivor. I am so honored and I want to thank him for taking out time from his busy schedule to join me here today on the Living Life Podcast. Now, I'm going to turn it over to him so that he can introduce himself and so that he can share his story. Hello, thanks for having me. My name is Donald Darnell Thompson. My family called me Darnell. I am 46 years old and I am a stroke survivor. My hobbies before I had the stroke was riding motorcycles, lifting weights, uh, producing music and rapping, positive rap. Those are things that I would do, you know, on my off time. Having a stroke changed my whole life. But being a survivor, it takes hard, hard work. You know, no matter what, you can never give up. You got to keep keep fighting the whole time. I think now it's been like uh, almost, probably about five and a half years now since I had it. I think it was uh, June, let's see, uh, June of 2014 is when I had it. And I was on vacation that Sunday it started so you know uh, it was that Tuesday I went to my mom's house on my motorcycle came home on the way home my hands got numb on my motorcycle and I thought it was from riding a bike because sometimes when you ride bikes when you got your hand in a certain position sometimes it, it falls, falls asleep so I thought that's what it was. But so I just shook it off. And that next next day at nighttime, uh my wife at the time asked me to go and get some chocolate. So I went to the store, you know, got some chocolate, went back home, you know, then I lay back down on the couch in the room. And I ended up falling asleep. And then when I woke up, uh, my left side was tingling. You know, I had that 
I don't know. I guess I can describe it like like your foot falling asleep or something like that. You know, it's probably closer closer as I can get. But uh, it was something like that, and it reminded me of a mild stroke that I had in my early 30s. You know, so I bounced back from that one real quick, so I thought the same would happen with this one. So, and she asked me, do you want to go to Kaiser? And I wish I had to went, but I, but I told her I'll wait until the morning. And if I still feel this way, then I'll, uh, I'll go in. So that morning came, I got out to bed, and I fell straight to the floor. So I was like, well, I guess I got to go. Because I didn't have that much feeling on my left side. It was it was what they call weakness. And uh, so I went to Kaiser. Uh, talked to the doctor. I guess they ran some tests. Uh, they looked at the x-rays. He came back and told me I had a stroke. But strangely, uh, by 12 noon... I was able to walk to the bathroom. It was like everything went away. I was like, wow. So it went away, and I was happy. And then I told the doctor, and he came in and said, well, we're going to keep you for observation overnight just in case. And so I was like, well, okay. And I'll spend one night and get to go home. You know, and I took it as a warning. And then... About one in the morning, uh, between one and three in the morning, that's when I started feeling the symptoms. And somewhere within that time frame, I had a, another stroke. And the nurses didn't catch it. I guess it wasn't nothing they could do about it anyway. But by six in the morning, the doctor never came. Uh, the nighttime doctors. So the stroke I had got, got even worse. So, you know, by this time, the left side is feeling pretty weak. The hands is, is numb and, oh, man, it's just a terrible feeling. You know, it's a brain injury. So they admitted me upstairs. You know, and uh, that's the hospital part. And the nurses up there was wondering, like, how can he have a stroke in the ER? But that's another story. So long story short, the nurse sent me to a rehab for 21 days in uh, Vallejo. And they was uh, teaching me different stuff, how to, how to dress you know, how to walk and, you know, different moving, everything you need to know, you know, about surviving the stroke. And I met other stroke victims in there, and we talked, and it was older people, all kinds of different people. And and we, we just shared each other's story, and all those people were stroke survivors just like me. So, uh... You must know that 
every stroke is different from everybody. People look at somebody else that had a stroke, and they think, oh, this person had a stroke, and and they can do this, and they doing it, they recover. But the other person, it might be a, more of a uh, more of a challenge. You know, it might be, it might have hit somewhere different in their brain that, you know, you just can't compare. And I thought you could, but you can't. You know. So, I made it out to rehab. I had a good attitude. You know, I wanted to go home and I wanted to recover the best way I can. Because I was trying to get back to my job. I wanted to get back to my life. And uh, I still didn't know how serious it really was yet. And when I when we went home, I knew I had a six-month window to try to recover. You know, that's the say six months. So I worked hard. You know, I walked. I practiced. I did certain things. And then, you know, in the midst of that, you know, you got you dealing with stress because your family members would also be stressed. It affects them too, and that's one thing we have to remember. I had two two lovely daughters, you know, and uh, and a wife at the time, and uh, so they was affected by this situation too. You know, so with me being a hard worker and my family depending on me, uh, the pressure was on for me to get back quick. And I I tried hard. I tried real hard to get back, you know. He told me I couldn't get my license. Uh, He took my license from me. I ended up getting my license back. You know, I started uh, walking Without the cane, you know, I was uh, going up a 14, I think it was 14 or 15 stairs every night to go to bed. So, you know, I was getting around the best way I could, you know. I had to change my diet, you know, and I had to put, you know, drink plenty of water. You know, so I was trying to follow all the advice I, uh, that that I got, you know. But then uh, the home life went kind of sour, and things were just hard, you know. I, I don't want to get into it, but it was it was tough. And the thing is, when you having problems at home or anything like that, you have to remember if you have a stroke, you have to keep a balance. You have to keep a balance because if you stress too much off something and you put all your time and energy on that problem, then you forget about your healing process. And, you know, you can start declining or use what you built up because you're putting your attention on something else, you know, something negative. And, you know, so you got to keep an all-around, you know, a balance, you know, Keep a good balance in order to be a, a survivor, because being having a stroke is like the best way I can describe it is uh, what we take for granted 
is people that's regular, they are on autopilot. Meaning that everything comes natural to them and, and they don't even think about it. They don't even think about how it's a blessing to be able to open that jar up. You know, because you have to hold it in one hand, you have to twist it off with the other hand. Now, if you got a hand that don't work, now you got a cop, what you going to do then? So we, you know, we, we never thought about that. And people that have strokes or on a manual pocket, they have to always, you know, be in a routine of doing stuff manually. You know, because your, your brain, your self-conscious does things automatic. And that's why we take things for granted. But now that I'm on the other side, I can see all the things that I took for granted. Being able to just walk outside and smell the fresh air. You know, wash the car. You know, take out the trash. Just simple things that we you would never think. You know, to thank God for it. But it's so many little things that we don't thank God for. And I'm here to tell you that. It's a lot of things out there to be thankful for. You know, I admire a lot of people that, that have the ability, you know, to do certain things. And, you know, and I tell them, you know, thank God for it. You know? So I just want to read you uh, what I've researched about strokes from the CDC website. The CDC states that African-American men and women are at greater risk of having a stroke than any other group of men and women in the United States. Compared to their white counterparts, men and women, they are twice as likely to have a stroke and at a younger age. The difference is that African-American men are most likely to die from a stroke or have stroke-related disabilities that affect their daily activities. Whereas African-American women are more likely to have a severe stroke. So what is a stroke? A stroke, sometimes called a brain attack, occurs when the blood flow in, a, in the area of the brain is cut off. The brain cells are starved from oxygen and they die. So a stroke is a, also a medical emergency. It's important to get treatment as soon as possible. Any delay in treatment increases the risk of permanent brain damage or death. All right, so now let's talk about why African-American men and women are at higher risk. One, it says two out of five African-American men have high blood pressure, which is the main risk factor for strokes and is also the main risk factor for African-American women. It often starts at a younger age and more severe in African-American men than in white men and women. Also, African-American men 
with high blood pressure are less likely to have it under control. Next, people with diabetes are at higher risk of strokes as well. One out of seven African-American men have been di diagnosed with diabetes. Many have it or are not aware of it. Third, sickle cell anemia is most common gen genetic disorder in African-Americans and can lead to a stroke. Strokes can occur when sickle cell-shaped cells block blood vessels to the brain. Four, smoking doubles your risk of strokes. About one out of five African-American men smoke cigarettes. Five, being overweight or obese increase your risk of strokes. 70% of African-American men are overweight. And African-American women have higher rates of obesity and diabetes, which increases their risk for high blood pressure and strokes. Next, eating too much salt or sodium can raise your blood pressure, putting you at a greater risk of strokes. So researchers think that maybe a genetic or, or gene that makes African-American men and African-American women more sensitive to the effects of salt, which is in turn increases the risk of developing high blood pressure. African-Americans should limit their sodium intake to 1,500 milligrams per day. Last, as an African-American woman, you may have some of the health problems that can lead to strokes without even knowing it. So, I just covered why African-American men and African-American women are at a higher risk of strokes. And from what I just went over, we can see that we have a lot to think about. Also, you now have some information that can get you on your way in making sure that you can do what is necessary to prevent this from happening to you as an African-American man or an African-American woman. Now, in part two, we will hear more from our guest Darnell about surviving his multiple strokes. I will do a question and answer for additional information not covered by Darnell through his testimony slash experience. I will also cover steps on how to prevent strokes and how we can utilize the power that we have because we do have the power to make the change. So this is going to conclude part one of surviving a stroke. I hope this episode was inspiring, encouraging, insightful, as well as helpful to you. Please, as always, don't forget to follow, rate, and leave a review. Remember, all episodes for the Living Life Podcast are released every Saturday at 12 a.m. With that said, peace and may God's blessings be upon you.